want to welcome you to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. We are excited today to have a guest we've not had on this show before. His name is Laverne Zook. I learned to know Laverne a few years ago. There's a few things that stand out to me about Laverne. One is how genuinely he cares about people and just his passion to help serve others and help them improve their quality of life. So with that, Laverne, I want to welcome you to the Mindset Growth Podcast and appreciate you taking your time to join us here. Hey, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know uh, uh, just a few things that you, you know, have some brothers and sisters and, you know, interestingly enough, have a twin brother. And uh, I think you guys, well, I know you guys work together, but just give us a little history about maybe, you know, a couple minutes of how you ended up where you're at today and who you are. Yeah, well, um, like I said, it's an honor to be on here with you all. And um, it's, it's everyone has their own story, so I can go along here, but I'll just go a couple minutes. Basically, I grew up in Pennsylvania, was born in Lancaster, but we got raised in closer to Pittsburgh. Um, we're a Mennonite family. Grew up with my parents and my five brothers. I'm, I'm the fifth, or I'm there's five brothers and then three sisters. And Linford and I are twin brothers. We've done everything together. I mean, we've grew up together. We we think a lot alike. Um, I always tell people he's everyone thinks we look alike, but I think he's if I'm that ugly, then I'm pretty ugly. Um, <laughs> so you kind of look. So we we started working in the construction side of business when we were probably about 15. I went through um, a private school. It was our own church school. I only went through eight grades and then we graduated. So in those days, you know, we basically went and worked for our dads. And my dad actually had a lawn care business, but there were three or four of us brothers that were really close one age. And in that part of the Pennsylvania, we get tons of snow. I mean, a foot of snow is nothing. So we didn't really have work through the winter months. And when we got out of school, my dad had a problem because he had three or four boys that he didn't know what to do with. So he, I actually respect my dad for this because he sold his own business and went to work for a gentleman that had like a storage facility. Um, like he, he built these little mini barns that are out in the backyard for storage. Yes. And we worked there for a couple of years. And then my brother and I, we just didn't, we didn't, we worked well there, but it just wasn't who we are. Um, so we decided we're going to look in starting our own business. And we started with garage doors. Our company name was L&L Overhead Doors. And that's how we got into the construction side of it. And then um, we started doing a lot of commercial work in 09. And that's a long story too, but we, we feel God led us into that. And the timing was just right for us. And it's been a huge blessing for us. We got into commercial. Um, in 2012, I got married to my wife, Melanie, moved to Ohio and her location. We're close to Columbus, Ohio. Um, we, we currently have four children under eight, and um, we actually had a surprise the other day. We're having another one in May. Well, congratulations. So, um, thank you. So our family's going to go to five here, I guess, here. and uh, We're really busy. We're blessed. Um, we love what we do. And, and Gary, you said a little bit something about, you know, my passion in in business is is 
is to serve other people. Like obviously we want to make an income, we want to make a good living, but the core of, of my wife especially is to to do what we can for other people and and watch people go from here to there. And if we can help people do that, that's what we want to do. So that's just a little recap who who we are. My twin brother and I are in partners. Um, we have a company called LNL Roofing Systems. Um, basically, we have two locations. Most of the work's done there in Pennsylvania. Question I have, just for clarity's sake, you had mentioned you started with garage doors and you transitioned into commercial. That was not commercial garage doors. It would have been roofing or what you're doing currently. Is that correct? Yeah, most of the thing we started out was was garage doors, and we did residential and commercial. Okay, but, but mostly on that side of it was residential. We were really small, like we did our work after hours and weekends, and we still kept our current jobs. But then when we started our own construction business, that was a hundred percent residential. Till '09 is when we transitioned slowly into commercial. Oh, I got you. Okay, I didn't. Didn't know that about you, I guess, but gives you a pretty broad uh, range of construction experience then. Right. Going to ask you a few questions to get us warmed up here, a uh, little bit off of maybe topic of what we were talking about, but do you collect anything? Um, I I collect Hess trucks. <laughs> you say test, test trucks? No, they're, they're Hess trucks. Oh, H-E-S-S. It's a Hess gas station. And ah. uh, my uncle started that when I was probably two or three. And I just quit collecting those yearly, maybe five years ago. So I have a whole closet of toy Hess trucks. <laughs> well, you're going to have to make a nice little display case or something for him some point so you can. I really need them. to do that. <laughs> yep. Hang them in your office. Uh, yep. Another question I have for you, and this one is just for fun, but uh, in fact, the last one was too, but. What do you think you know a lot about, but you really don't? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> and that question makes me laugh because the last time that question came up was when my daughter was interviewing me on one of these. And she asked me that question, which I knew was a loaded question because as a dad, you know, there's sometimes we act like we're really intelligent about something, but we know our children are young enough. There's no way they can, they can possibly prove us wrong. So that's kind of where my mind went. I don't know if that helps you out anything with. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I've always and I and I play with it, but I'm and I and I pretend I'm good at it. But with technology, computers and that type of thing, I I can do it. But I'm and, and people might think I'm good at it, but I'm I'm terrible, terrible at it. <laughs> good enough to get <laughs> along, right? You got it. What was the last book you quit reading and why? Not when you were finished, um, you quit partway through. I don't think I have one. Really? You, you know what? It might be. It might be years ago. Um, it was by Tom Brady. It's on Audible. I, I usually, if they're boring, I usually keep right on going because I want to list it as a, as a book that I read. But that is one I didn't finish. It's by Tom Brady, and I forget what the title was, but it talked a lot about how he stayed healthy and flexible. And it just, it drove me crazy. I, I'm I halfway through and I never finished it. So that is one. Okay. Interesting. Must've been a little redundant. Oh. <laughs> what, is, what is one childish thing you still enjoy? Something, Good question. Something you did when maybe as a child. 
I, I still like to do it. I don't do it very often, but, um, we love to float down the river in a tube. Um, I still water anything on water. It doesn't matter how kidneyish it is. If I can be on a river somewhere, that's, I'll be there. That's where you're going to find me. I think, uh, with you making that statement, you're going to definitely have some common ground with your children. <laughs> They're going to enjoy that. I can promise you. That was one yeah. thing I know when my children were young, it was, we spent a lot of time on the water. I mean, we ended up finally just getting a boat and it's, that was, that was a lot of a uh, family time was with spent around that. So moving on a little bit, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? I do. Um, and I've learned it from people like you and, um, Oh, what is the name? The guy that I really started following the last while. Um, I have to look back on that, but, and, and I'm just going to be transparent here. Um, I, and we'll get to that, but I just got done running a marathon a month ago or so. And I was really stringent for probably four to five months where I did not budge on, on routine. Um, I had never felt better in all my life. And then it was probably a month and a half ago when we ran that and I kind of left it slip for about two to three weeks. And I haven't felt like it's actually been one of the worst errors where I've, I felt like I, and I don't know if I can explain this, but when, when I leave one little thing, it can be a really little thing in my routine. When I let that one thing slip, I found it's really easy to let the rest of it slip. Right. And within a couple of days, you can be completely off, completely off. And for me, if I can keep a, a routine, my daily routine, especially in the morning, and I, I'll be honest, I learned a lot of this from you. But if we can, if if I keep that, my day, at the end of the day, I just feel way better. Um, what what my morning routine is, I get up at 530. Um, I like to get up earlier, but that's pretty much what it is. I set my alarm for 521 and I'm up out of bed at 530 and I go down, I make myself a cup of coffee. I go up and shower. And by the time I get back down, my coffee's ready. Um, so I, I sit there and I have my Bible and a, and a journal. And so I just sit there with my cup of coffee and I, I did it this morning again. And, it, and if I do that on a weekly basis, like I do it at least no less than five days a week um, where I do that, I let it slip a little over weekends, which I'm good with that because I'm good with that for myself. Right. But I, I go down and when I when I sit there and I and, and I'm a believer. So I'm just sitting there, you know, kind of praying, but just my, letting my mind think with that cup of coffee. And I probably do that for 15 to 20 minutes. And then I read a scripture and then I, then I have a journal and I don't know what that time period is, probably about an hour, um, maybe an hour and a half. And if I do that and then I eat a good breakfast, um, I take my kid to school and then I come in here to the office. And if I can do that, the, the more consistent I can be on that, the better I feel. And I understand like, like I travel a lot. So like tomorrow morning, I'm going to be leaving the airport at, uh, I think my flight's at 530. Right. But even, even when I'm traveling, the more that I can do that, like if I take some time when I'm traveling tomorrow in the plane, just to sit, pray and think, and even write a little in my journal, 
if I can keep that routine as close as possible, even when I'm traveling, the end of the day, I'm going to feel so much better. So that's a little bit what I do. Right. No, I totally appreciate you saying that I helped you with that. But the truth of the matter is, if we can take that time to quiet our minds and do some meditation, and that meditation can, yes, certainly be prayer and some reading, but just to self-reflect, I think it just helps us maintain a balance that helps us so much. Um, the thing I want to, you touched on a little bit was that you ran a marathon, and that was my next question here. And, you know, preparing for that, I'm just going to imagine, you said you felt you had never felt better in your life, but preparing for that, what did that look like? I mean, was it, it was it more than just physically? I mean, clearly there was probably some mental and uh, maybe even type of food and things like that. Yeah, it's, and, and you probably will never understand it till you do it. Um, what actually all goes in there, but I, I, I was privileged enough to do it with my brother, Steven, and then my, my brother, Linford, and it was a goal that we had made maybe last year toward the end of the year. And we had, we were determined to do it in 2022. Um, and, and Steven told me the other day, he was like, it's so much more than the 26.2 miles. It's, it's, that's a part of it, but it's, it's way deeper than that. Um, as far as preparing, we, we had a training program where, where you basically plug your, your body in, like your style running. Um, your weight, that type of thing. And then it broke it down per week miles that you need to run. So like maybe Monday was three miles of, of a slower pace. Maybe Tuesday was maybe a fast pace at two miles. And then you had a day off and the next, next day might've been six miles. And the closer you got to your marathon, the longer those short spurts were, the longer your long runs were. But basically what it breaks it down to is you have a lot of short runs and then one day out of the week is a long run. So toward the end of our training, our long runs were, you know, 18 miles, 20 miles, um, 22 miles, 15 miles. And it, 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 it was a program that we followed. But it did take a lot of effort and a lot of time. And I think that was back to how I changed my life for the way I thought, why I said it, I felt better than I ever did. It forced you into a structured system to, 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 become the person that you needed to be after those four months. Like the training was basically three to four months. So it's, it's just hard to describe what all went into it. And we were really strict on, on diet. Like I didn't have any baked goods or desserts since June 31st, I think is when I first started till we ran our marathon. Right. Um, and then we ate a lot of just, just clean, clean protein. Um, a lot of rice. It wasn't it. The diet actually wasn't that bad. Um, I, I wish I wouldn't have actually come off of it. It's just really hard to stay on that because with a family. Right. Melanie cooking, she actually really sacrificed <clears throat> with the whole cooking thing throughout that whole procedure. But, yeah, that's kind of how it looked like. Um, basically, three months of a pretty strict diet and just a lot of miles, a lot of I mean, I don't know. I think I was averaging between 20 to 30 miles a week for probably about two months up to the, you know, up to the marathon. Right. Well, the incredible part for me was seeing you guys complete the finish line. One, the three of you together, you and your brothers, and two, 
the smiles and the things on your face. And it literally brought tears to my eyes because when I seen that and I seen you guys complete that, I knew what you guys were smiling about was not the fact you just ran 26 miles. It was the fact of everything that you just talked about that went into it to lead you up to that point. And that's what was, that was what was powerful and impactful to me. And even though you maybe come off of that schedule somewhat, I'm going to guess that it has changed the way you view life and even how you conduct yourself going forward. And you probably have learned what your limits are in a way you never even knew existed. You, would you want to share about that a little? Yeah. And, and honestly, you hit it like I'm getting goosebumps when you, when you talked about that. And, and pretty much every runner that you're going to talk to, I'll talk about that dark space that you have to run through that your body and your whole being is telling you that you don't have what it takes to make it. <clears throat> and, and that hit me about mile 20. Um, mile 21, 22. I felt good up to that point. You know, I was tired, but I still felt very, I felt like I've trained for this. I got it. But you'll face that dark spot where you are completely, completely at the bottom of yourself. There's nothing left. And what hit me the most, and, and you can talk to my brothers about it too, was that point where there was nothing left. Like you were at the bottom of yourself but you still had enough left to do one more step. You still had enough to do maybe another, like I still remember like looking down the trail and you see this tree and it, it might only be 50 yards out. And you're like, I just got to make it to that tree. And when you reach that tree, you might see like a weed sticking out of the pavement a little bit further on. And you're like, well, I got enough to make it to that, to that next tree. And that's basically how the last couple of miles went. And what happened in my brain was like now when I when I face something and I never had like a close death in my family. So I can't really, you know, I can't really speak in that. But everything I face looking back and forward, when when I face something like a hard business day or or a, a hard day at home or you face something that that you're struggling with for a couple of days. You know, in your heart that there's there's something within yourself that's a lot deeper that you have what it takes to make it through that um it's not humanly i mean 26.2 miles in, in less than four hours is is medium like we were in the top half but we weren't near the fastest but what i'm what i'm what i'm referring to most normal people you can't do that without preparing for it right and even when you prepare for it, you still come to the point where where everything and everything is yelling in your head that you're not going to make it. You can't do it. You want to stop. And so, like, the life lesson I learned from that is there's always more within ourselves than you think there is, especially if you train for it. Right. And and in business now, when you when we face challenges like we don't have enough of good in people or we we want more sales or we're having a down week or a down month. All I have to think is back to that dark period where we were through. And I realized that with God's help, obviously, but we've trained for this and there's always more within ourselves. And at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, man, you know, that was probably one of the best experiences, even if it was a low time in my life. Right. That was probably one of the best experiences 
that happened to me because of who I became going through that dark spot. Well, I think it's a lot of it is we, uh, our bodies are wired to shut down at a 40% of our capacity. And the fact of the matter is it's mentally that we shut down. You know, it's, it's, you never hear an athlete tear a ligament or do something and then say, Oh, but my, my, you know, my body carried me through. It's always like I toughed it out, you know, mentally I got there. And I think that's, uh, that's where we find a lot of limits in, in life. Our mind is wired to protect us. And so there's a lot of times that we just shut down because we're just naturally built that way to not take ourselves to our full capacity. Um, that's something I, I uh, was so interested in hearing you say is how you would look for a tree or a weed or a marker because one of the things, and this is, I guess it's a plug, but I mean, one of the things that I'm so passionate about helping people is finding and finding and discovering their full potential. Because there were a few people in my life, had they not helped me discover or pointed out to me or put me in a position and helped guide me, I would have never discovered what my full potential is. I'd have never even, which I'm still not sure I know. But it drives me each day, and that is so rewarding to see that because I think as we go through those experiences like what you went through, you now have a whole different perspective how you can also help guide your, your children, your employees, uh, other associates, business associates, and encourage them because you, you do know what's in the tank and what's, yep. what's there. But. That kind of leads us into another one here. Uh, I recently, uh, I think, if this is correct, heard that you were a school teacher, which is a very much of a, you know, you're serving others and helping others, and yet in some ways financially it's, it's a low reward oftentimes for the amount of time that it is. Uh, was that, is that the fact? I mean, you did teach That's school? That's correct. Okay. I did. And what led you to that? That's a story in itself. Um, I was I was still living at home. I was probably 21 years old. I think that's when it was. Yeah, it was 20. It was in 06. And we were, you know, obviously in a, in a Mennonite culture there. And the way they run their schools in our groups is if there's a single girl or guy somewhere, a school board from another state can randomly call and just ask if you would be interested to teach their private school for a year. Um, so what happened there was, and I don't, I still don't know how they got my name, but there was this school in Ohio that needed a school teacher and they, they called and wondered if I'd be interested in teaching. And it was, it was actually almost a joke because I was a really hard learner in school. I, I didn't, it didn't, I wasn't one of those guys that breezed through school and it wasn't ever on my radar to actually be a school teacher. Um, so I just told, I told him that's, that's funny. Like I, 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 I'm not going to teach school, but when I actually thought about it, prayed about it for a while, I just had this gut feeling it was something that I probably should do at least for a year. Um, so that's what ended up happening. I, I came out here to Ohio and I didn't, I knew a family just from being with them in a mission for like a week. And that was the only people that I knew. Um, so it was a huge step for me, um, way out of my comfort zone, like completely out of my comfort zone. 
And I ended up teaching school that year. I really connected well. Um, I probably studied harder than any of my pupils did that first year um, because I wasn't I wasn't versed in in math and English. And like I really had to dig deep and learn. And I tell people I probably learned more in that year than I did in all eight years that I went to school. Like I, I did. And it was it was one of the best things as far as gaining knowledge and learning more. Um, it was actually a really good education for myself. But then I ended up agreeing to teach in another year. Um, I taught in 06, 07, and then I taught in 07, 08, and then 08 and 09. So I, I taught for three years. Okay. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I learned a lot. And I built relationships. And it's funny how God works because if it wouldn't have been for that section of years that I went through that term of school teaching, I probably would have never met my wife, Melanie, because she she lived in Frankfurt, Ohio, which is where I ended up moving to then once once we started dating, got married there. Well, that was really the reason for that question, because I was curious how the two of you met. And after I found <laughs> out that that's what happened, I was like, ah, I bet you that's kind of what, you know, led you into. And it's just interesting how life takes us down these paths when, you know, sometimes doors open and we don't even realize that's what's happening uh, I think it's fair to say even today, I would bet you you learned that with with teaching school, but I I know you work with a lot of, uh, um, well, you're in the Conklin organization, you work with a lot of people like in your downline, and I'm guessing even those folks a lot of times teach you more than what you might learn if you didn't have that opportunity to work with those folks. So, yeah, it's and I'm still learning that. Um... I, I'm still learning that, but I am realizing it doesn't really matter who a person is, what background they have, where they come from, success in financial success, whatever. We can always, if we dig deep enough, there's always something to learn from anyone that we possibly can meet. So you're you're dead on. Like the people that I work with, the contractors that I work with. I often come away from our meetings and our conversation and I put a note down. It's something that they brought up that I've, you know, that I, if my mind, I found if I keep my mind open and have that philosophy that I can always learn from someone else, doesn't matter what level they are. Um, you, you tend to gravitate toward that and you learn something with every conversation. Oh, I agree. It's just, it's such a great tool or perspective to have to uh, go into that. Um, I guess you covered it a little bit and talked about how you got into construction. Uh, at some point, though, you transitioned from the garage doors into construction. Was that just you garage doors were part time and at some point you had enough work you could transition into full time? Or did you just one day take it like a leap of faith and say, I think we have three weeks worth of work and we're going to be OK? <laughs> um, we were working for that storage facility, the 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 mini barn shop and we were doing the garage doors after hours. And then I actually quit there at the facility and started working for a construction crew for two to three years. And they did, they were one of those construction crews that did everything. They did everything from A to Z. And that's where I actually gained a lot of my construction knowledge. And when I worked long enough there, my brother and I, finally, we were like, we're sick of working for people. We want to start our own business. And we felt that with the garage doors and the construction that I already knew, if we would just add that into the business, 
um, we could keep ourselves busy. And we were blessed. It didn't take us long. And it's a funny story, but we we hired my younger brother, Stephen. And then I think we had him for like a year or so. And then we actually hired my dad. <laughs> it's really, it was a really a, a twist, but we really enjoyed those years. I think he worked for us for maybe five to eight years. And then the full circle is really funny, but we ended up selling the overhead door business back to him. And he's running that today. So there's a, if if you look it up in Pennsylvania, there's an L&L overhead doors company. And that's how we originated from, but we ended up selling that to our dad and he's doing really well with it. That's awesome. Uh, evidently, you're a visionary if you keep yeah, creating I, businesses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like you've got a mind that's always working towards new ideas. So it's it's wonderful, though, to, to be able to help somebody like him, too, and put him in that position, I guess. Uh, you and your brother work together. I mean, clearly now your primary focus is commercial roofing. And I say clearly, I guess listeners maybe don't know that, but uh, – you guys have do a lot of commercial uh, roofs, different style of, of types of roofs, and it's more replacement than new, I guess. But uh, that's that's only one really is when I think of the two of you, I really feel like you have two separate businesses, but they kind of work together. And I'd mentioned that you guys are involved in the Conklin organization and it's that, you know, which is a, just a very positive organization in in personal development and helping people with opportunities. So can you tell us a little bit of how that works? Because I know more and more the two of you are working together again because you really are forming a great operation on the commercial roofing side. But how does that work? Yeah, it was it was a real challenge for us when, when I moved to Ohio. That was in 2012. We weren't sure what direction we were going to go. And, and I still remember some of those conversations. We decided we we're going to try it for a year. And we basically started another branch here in Ohio in commercial roofing. And the first years out here was my wife, Melanie, and I, and she actually helped. She was, she was my employee. Like we worked together. That's, it was, it was her and I. So when I landed a project, we loaded up the truck and we went out and we completed the job. It was just Melanie and I. And we worked really hard like that for probably three years or so where where I was getting part-time help in she continued working for for us till we had our first child and we came to a point where we had to make a decision our our base in Pennsylvania has been there since 05 so it's established we have a you know we had our own crew we had our own warehouse we had it set up where it was running very efficiently um obviously we had way we had a lot to grow in but it was uh, it was an established business right but the one in Ohio, we came to a point where we knew that we were going to have to basically start over in Ohio. We were going to have to build another warehouse. We we're going to have to build another office. We were going to have to hire a crew. And we could either run two locations very successfully and run them hard. Or we had the choice of um, working with Conklin and Conklin is basically our manufacturing company. We buy our products from them at a wholesale price. We're one of their dealers or we're, we have an account with them. But then they also have this side of the business where they give us the opportunity as one of their contractors to go out and, and train people to do exactly what we did for them when we first got started. 
and they pay they, you know the the pay is decent um it's basically a coaching operation it's actually real similar to what what your program is it's just maybe at a lower scale but we made that decision back in probably 2015 16 where we decided that that my brother Lenford he's in Pennsylvania he's going to continue running our L&L roofing company and I'm going to focus more on coaching other contractors and training them to build successful roofing businesses. So that's kind of how it works. Um, we work together daily. We're on the phone daily. Um, he's 90% in charge of the roofing business. I'm 90% in charge of the coaching company, the coaching business. Um, but then he helps me. Like we do trainings together. And then I still have my pulse and my finger on the L&L roofing business. Like there's a Christmas dinner that we do for the employees um, that's coming up here in a few weeks. I'll definitely go in for that with my family. So it's very, we're very meshed together. Um, but I'll be honest, like I feel very blessed because the L&L roofing business is, is literally running without me. Um, and then the coaching side of the business is literally running without Linford. Right. So I feel it's a very unique, we're twins. We think exactly alike. I don't know how it would work if if we weren't twins. I know a lot of brothers get along, but then there's other partners that that it doesn't work within the family. Um, so I'm very leery in telling people to follow what we do. It's just we think so much alike that 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 whole business model it it it's a blessing, but it works perfectly for us. Well, I work with different family units, and uh, when I say family units, like brothers and dad and brothers and things, scenarios like that. Um, it takes a lot of commitment. There was probably a time in my life because of a bad experience or two, I said I'd never have a business partner. Uh, but it takes a lot of commitment. And really what I've learned is it just takes more than anything. It takes people sharing the same vision and having the same morals and goals. And of course, there is that whole aspect. I've had the privilege of having twins in my family as well. But you know, there's sometimes just that connection with twins that is a little bit undeniable, and un and I don't know that, um, I don't know that people who are not twins can understand it. So it's it's yeah. but it's unique. It really seems like a force multiplier for you two, because it's without that connection, you guys would either have one or the other more than likely. It's so hard for others to successfully do what you do. I mean, at some stage they can have employees that will carry those things out, but it's uh, it definitely has been a beneficial and helpful for you guys. Uh, kind of led me into the next, next question here. We understand, you know, I understand that you're building a, you know, successful team through Conklin. What motivates and drives you though, to do that? Because you've mentioned already, you're running, you know, maybe there's, I mean, there's always room for growth. I mean, we can all put our hand up and say that. And you have a successful roofing business in its own right, and you can probably continue to grow that. But I know you're over here doing this other thing, and I'm guessing we've already somewhat touched on it as we look at how you like to work with other people. But I'd like to know what your motivation, what, what makes Laverne get up every morning and go after that piece? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this is a this is a deep one. Um I I love our roofing company and and you can do this 
what I'm about ready to share, <clears throat> I feel there's people that that do exactly basically what I'm doing on the coaching side of it. But and and I don't know how many people even know this about me. I love watching college football have for years already. And I gravitate on watching the coaches like I can sit down and I can watch any. I'm a fan of the Ohio State team because that's where I'm from. Um, but I can sit down on a Saturday and I can watch any football that 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 is playing over that time because I love watching the coaches. I I, I gravitate toward it and I've I've tracked it. You can have a really bad college. You can have a really good college team and they're having a terrible year. And sometimes there's multiple terrible years like they're not ranked. They're they're doing terrible. And I've 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 never it never ceases to amaze me when they get rid of the coach and they bring in a better coach within a year's time, the same players, the same school, the same facility. They can be one of the top 10 teams within a year's time. And it and it and it all boils down to the coach. Oh, I agree. And it, and it it's like Maxwell says, you know, everything falls and rises in leadership. So I I have a passion for for. Like I'll never, I, I should say never, I'll never be a, a football coach. I don't know enough about the game, but it's my passion has, has for years been to be some kind of coach. I love sports. I love competition. I love like, there's nothing better than a good competition. Like I, anything that's a game that I can compete with. I'm even if I'm not good at it, I love playing it because I'm so competitive. But but what really makes me tick is when I can be a part of like a small kid group or some kind of program or sports where I can coach the kids as a team and make them win the game or help them win the game. Right. So it falls into like this this whole principle of of helping roofers, individuals start their business from basically nothing and watching them plug into a system and watching them repeat what we've done with LNL and watching them like the lights come on and it can happen so fast. Like you can have an individual that's, that's not successful in business and you plug him into a few principles that you know has worked in the roofing business and the roofing world. And he follows that blueprint and within 12 months, he can be almost have zero income to making, you know, a good in like a six figure income. Right. And that's what makes me that's what makes me get up in the morning. That's what makes me continue doing this. Um, I love like there's nothing like it's fun getting our own roofing jobs and closing on jobs, but it doesn't even hold a match. A tour, it doesn't even compare to when I get a call from a guy that landed his first commercial project. So, I mean, in a nutshell, it's, 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 and I'm not saying this in a wrong way, but like my whole being wants to somehow serve those people and see them become successful in life in general. I mean, part right. of that is successful financially, but it, it's just amazing. The people that I'm working with, um, there's, there's some that are literally living a life that, that, you know, isn't, isn't a good life. And when they start networking with the right people and they, 
they rub shoulders with the right people and they start plugging into the right system and start working on their personal development, start reading um, how to win friends and influence people. It's just amazing. These people just start blooming and their lives are completely like their lives are just 100% completely changed in a few months time. And, and I'm not, I'm not shy to say this. I'm, I am a believer. So I feel, you know, my religion and the way I believe scripturally and, and with God getting plugged into that, I feel that has a lot to do with it. But again, that's in the personal development thing. If they're willing to sit down and, and do what we talked about earlier in this podcast, sit down and have a quiet time, even if you aren't a believer, but even just having that quiet time and, and letting your brain work for like 30 minutes or an hour in the morning, just that simple principle, that's a biblical principle, right. but just that simple principle, anyone that does that, I don't care what your belief beliefs are, just that one principle can change your life completely. Well, the incredible part with what you're saying, and I can identify with this so much, but you're probably through this vehicle you have to reach out to contractors, you're giving people opportunities and you're reaching people. And I think so often uh, we think uh, growing up, we hear about missionaries going to another country or a pastor. And I will just tell you for myself personally, I know I reach people because of business that I would mm -hmm. never reach in any other form or fashion. And so I clearly know I'm doing what I was called to do just because of this. And it's to me, it's just incredible uh, how those opportunities keep coming along. And it's it's what it comes back to again is caring about people and not not focusing on ourselves. Um, often we say, you know, we talk about well, money's not everything. Well, truthfully, money's not a lot unless you don't have any of it. But if you can help somebody who doesn't have a lot of it, it will also it'll also change your integrity. And if they're in a position, they're completely broke, and you can help put them in a position where that's not their concern. I mean, when they're totally broke, I can promise you when they're sitting down to have that quiet time that you're talking about, every single thought is about how I'm going to survive. Mm -hmm. Once you can put them in a better position, now all of a sudden they can sit down and start to think about, Where's my family? Where's this? Where's my neighbor? Who can I help myself? You're, you're shifting their focus. So I just want to thank you and appreciate so much your perspective on all that. And that is what's even fulfilling for me to work with people like you, because um, I recently, I guess I feel like I, we always talk about, you know, there's no U-Haul behind a hearse, but there is one thing we can take with us. And it's just something I've probably come to discover recently. And what we can take with us is relationships, and it may be more what's what we leave behind because all the monetary or physical things don't really matter, but it's those relationships that we take with us or we leave behind. And I just want to thank you for that, Laverne. I mean, that uh, gives me goosebumps to talk about that because it's, it's such a powerful uh, – it's a, such a powerful mindset and outlook on life. We're not going to find relief from Washington, D.C. We're going to find it from good people in, in their own communities doing the right thing, maybe traveling to other communities and helping other people, but we're going to, that's, that's going to be where the strength of the fabric of our country comes from. 
and even a greater cause across that. With that, anything you would like listeners to know about, you know, L&L Roofing, about, you know, maybe Laverne or Linford, uh, some closing statement you want to you wanna make? I don't have a lot. I, I was thinking when you were you were saying that last deal about, you know, figuring out why and, and again your program and your your coaching has really helped us with this and we're still in the process of this. But really digging deep and figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and John Maxwell, some of his programs has really helped me through some of this too, is you know, writing down and looking a lot further than than the surface, like, like, you know, what's your goal in a year as far as sales? That's important. But why is that your goal? And and making sure that that your company and your family and the people you're working with all share that common vision. Um, you were talking about it being your mission instead of going out in the mission field. And and I think we have to be careful and be open if that if that ever needs to change and we need to be open to that but in your in your core um and i'm talking to myself here but in our core we need to know every morning when we get up what that burning core of why we're doing what we're doing right and i have in my office here as we go out the door someone had given it to me probably five years ago, it says, this is my mission field. So every time I leave my office, that signs above my door, it's a wooden sign engraved. This is my mission field. And for me, I truly, truly, truly believe that what I'm doing on a daily basis within my business, within my community, it's who I am and it's who I need to be in this point. Now, if that changes, if if something leads me in that and I have a strong change, then I think I need to be open to that. But as young business entrepreneurs, people that are just starting up and, and people even like us that were in business for years that didn't have that <clears throat> vision written down and, and even in our heart, we were a little shaky where we are. I can tell you from experience, once you have that down, down to the very bottom like i'll just share what mine is when i really broke it down and the reason i get up every morning and the reason i do what i do is like my why in this world is to serve other people right and and once i had that down then everything else kind of falls into place like you can have those tough days where you're making those phone calls you're making those emails and you're just dead tired of it you're sick of it but when you look up and see that sign, this is my mission field, and you know that I'm here to serve other people and that's why, then those phone calls become very easy. Those emails become very easy. Those things become a lot easier. And your success rate in your business and in your life in general will go way faster and way higher if you have that core principle in your life life better. So that's that's probably what I'd have to share is if 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 you really want to boost it and, and up your life, um, I would say that's probably one of the one of the first things I would check is to make sure that we we know on a daily basis why we're doing what we're doing. Um, once you have that down, it, it just goes. And I'm I'm literally talking from experience. We're we're still working on this, but 
getting those core values deeply ingrained and getting up in the morning and knowing that's why you're getting up and that's what what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, it, it makes your life a lot better. It certainly does. And I just share this. I had a business owner that one day I had him going, this is a few years ago, I had him go through and and really work on his own personal vision statement. And at the same time, we were working through, you know, the business vision statement. And what he come back to pretty quickly was, I need to change my my goals for my business. They do not align with my personal with my personal goals anymore. And he said, I did not realize till I, you put me through this exercise that I was out of alignment on that. And where I'm going in business is not, you know, his, my money, my focus was on money and what I could accomplish there. And yet on my, but deep down in my core, it was something different. So if there's anything that I challenge listeners to, and this is why I was excited for this podcast today was because a lot of the questions, I mean, I already knew what your, what your core value is and what your purpose is. So it was exciting for me to look forward to this, knowing that your heart is to serve others and help other people have a better life. So I want to thank you for taking that time today, Laverne. I also want to thank Next Level Marketing for sponsoring this episode. You can reach out to Gary Bontrager Consulting and contact us to have a uh, free review and analysts done on your uh, social media marketing and your website and that platform, how you push out all your marketing. They would be happy to do an audit for you and see if there's areas that you could improve to increase business and drive more sales to your bottom line. With that, we thank you and appreciate you joining us. You can find us out at YouTube, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.